1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Weekend Review All Things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Ner. It's not about the number on the scale but whether it affects your health. We'll take a close look at the new guidelines for treating obesity. And the pandemic sparks huge demand for puppies. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Americans are more likely than people in other high-income countries to report mental health concerns resulting from the pandemic. That's the conclusion of the COVID supplement to the 2020 Commonwealth International Health Policy Survey. It found a third of U.S. adults experience stress, anxiety, or great sadness that was difficult to cope with by themselves. This is a significantly higher proportion than in other countries where about a quarter of adults reported the same. In Canada, 26% of respondents reported those symptoms. Mumbai has become the first city in India to install female figures on traffic signal signage instead of the standard color-coded male figure. In a welcomed attempt to promote gender equality, Mumbai has changed almost 100 pedestrian crossing signs from the male stick figure to a female one, part of a citywide project called Culture Spine. In recent years, India has made worldwide headlines because of especially heinous cases of violence against women. Activists feel women-centric symbols on the streets will reaffirm the idea that women can claim public spaces. Gardeners, take note. Packages of mysterious seeds that have been showing up in mailboxes across North America are part of a scam called brushing. Online sellers will send unsolicited packages to customers and then write fake glowing reviews for products. Experts say the scheme could signal a more serious identity fraud problem. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency is warning gardeners not to plant any seeds they received in the mail without ordering, warning they could be harmful to the environment. is suing Donald Trump's re-election campaign. The 74-year-old singer-songwriter says he doesn't want his music used as the theme song for what he calls a divisive, un-American campaign of ignorance and hate. The legendary Canadian-American singer cited repeated use of two songs, "Rockin' in the Free World" and "Devil's Sidewalk," by the campaign at Trump rallies and political events, including in Tulsa in late June. Young's lawyers are seeking monetary damages in the federal lawsuit canadian researchers have identified what they say is the first known cancer in a dinosaur it was discovered on a lower leg bone from a horned dinosaur called centrosaurus apertus that lived 76 to 77 million years ago which was unearthed at dinosaur provincial park in alberta in 1989. The malformed end of the fossilized bone was originally thought to be a healing fracture, but a new analysis using modern techniques revealed that it was osteosarcoma, an aggressive malignant cancer that afflicts humans today, and that was the cancer that killed Terry Fox. I'm Libby Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. There are new guidelines for both treating and defining obesity. The focus is on whether a person's body fat impairs their health rather than on their weight and size. I talked with the lead author, Dr. Sean Wharton, medical director of the Wharton Medical Clinic, a weight management clinic in Burlington.
2: The new guidelines for obesity really tries to emphasize that we've been doing things wrong for a long time. We've primarily focused on diet and exercise. Just eat less and move more. We know that we've failed for a long, long time. Therefore, there's got to be something wrong. And what we, what we now recognize is every time somebody goes on a diet, they activate these, these hormones and these neurochemicals that drive the weight back up. So the person loses some weight, sure enough, but then they regain all of that weight and even more. So we need to stop looking at just telling people diet and exercise and to tell them more, more about what's going on in their body and their biological system and that there's treatment for what we now know the biology tells us. We need to know, are the fat cells, the excess fat cells, are they causing a toxicity? Are they causing an impairment with and in terms of health and we know that there's many examples where people who have quote-unquote elevated weight don't have any medical conditions and that's when they put the fat in the peripheral area african-american women can go up to a bmi of about 32 because they put the weight in the peripheral areas in the thighs and in the hips whereas white males south asians and the indigenous take the energy and put it into the central area And that surrounds the pancreas, the liver, and it becomes toxic, and it causes major problems. So at a lower weight, they are at higher risk of medical problems.
1: You're uh, talking about BMIs. Most people aren't familiar. So an average height woman, I don't know, 5'5", or so, uh, with a BMI of, you said, 32. So approximately, what kind of weight would that be?
2: 5'5", you would be about 190 pounds to be at a BMI of 32.
1: With these new guidelines, does that mean you would even treat all obesity?
2: No, you would not. And so if I saw an African American woman with a with a BMI of thirty-two and a weight of 190 at five foot five, who had beautiful blood pressure, no diabetes, no conditions or problems, I would not treat her as having obesity. If I saw a South Asian woman at at 5'5", at five, five, who's 190 pounds, and her blood sugars are pushing up. Her parents have also have diabetes, and her weight's been climbing, um, and the cholesterol levels are looking a little south. That's the person that I'm going to pay attention to and focus on actually treating.
1: Every time we hear about diabetes, which is epidemic, and all kinds of heart disease, and even stroke, Obesity is cited as a big risk factor. Do you think that has to be reevaluated?
2: No, I think it is accurate because um, we're looking at a population level. So the clinician is then able to to look at a person and make a determination um, uh, as to where some of the the actual the actual risks are. But in general, if we're looking at the overall population, weight continues to climb. So as much as I had stated that if there's um, peripheral fat, then we're not running into problems. But that same person with peripheral fat can can start to keep on gaining weight and start to have central fat. Everybody on the, on the planet pretty much needs to eat healthy, think about um, their continual elevated weight, because the whole world is getting bigger and bigger, and the kind of comorbidities that are brought about.
1: You mentioned COVID-19 and obesity, has been shown to be one of the main risk factors for a very severe case or even death.
2: The toxic fat cells send off a lot of inflammatory markers. And we know that COVID-19, the major problem with the morbidity and the mortality being in the intensive care unit, is the amount of inflammation that is brought about within the the, um, the um, lungs and within the other tissues, even in the cardiac tissue and the, the um, heart. So if you have a lot of inflammation already from those toxic fat cells, it's going to make it even harder for you to clear the actual lungs, to clear to clear the actual virus. The virus is, is enjoying the, um, this entire environment.
1: How much of this change in guidelines was motivated by patient advocates or people who feel they've been discriminated against because of their size?
2: I certainly hope most of it. Because I strongly believe that the patient advocacy is one of the most important things here. So science has helped us to understand more of this and to make the change. But patient advocates who are tired and upset about the fact, upset, they're angry that they've not been treated with compassion, with empathy. Their disease has not been taken seriously. They are blamed continually for for their lack of willpower, uh, when in fact they know that something else is going on that is causing a problem and they would like to be treated medically, and they should be. So I certainly hope that that the majority of of the, um, the intensity and the outrage um, at the lack of treatment comes from patient
1: advocates. Bottom line, Upshot, what do you think these new guidelines will change or what are you hoping they'll do?
2: So the hope is that they change our understanding of the science behind obesity, that this is a disease state, that this is not just about a lack of willpower. We can give them treatments such as bariatric surgery, weight loss surgery, the use of a pharmacotherapy, so medications can definitely help. And cognitive behavioral therapy, psychological intervention, these three treatments can significantly help people to stay on track with their healthy behaviors and get the weight down and keep it down.
1: Okay. Dr. Sean Wharton, thank you so much for this.
2: Absolutely, Libby. Thank you.
1: Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now. That was Dr. Sean Wharton, lead author of the new obesity guidelines published in the Canadian Medical Journal. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review of the pandemic has made us crave companionship of the canine variety. And if you're an aspiring pet parent, you're going to have to wait and pay a pretty price. I reached Richard Paquette, a director with the Canadian Kennel Club in Ontario.
3: A lot of people being shut in in the pandemic and not uh, socializing as much as they traditionally do, many have turned for that much needed companionship to pets. Dogs, cats, all varieties of pets are in quite a high demand right now by the general public.
1: Do you have any idea what the percentage increase in demand is? I know at
3: the Canadian Kennel Club, we're getting about 40% higher inquiries this year as opposed to last year. And the demand for purebred dogs is just out of control. And most breeders breed responsibly and don't you know, have a lot of litter, so most of the litters across the country have already been sold.
1: You also work with rescue organizations. What's going on there?
3: In the rescues, um, there are very few dogs in the shelters across the country right now. Uh, Rescues uh, have done an amazing job of spaying and neutering all the dogs that come into their possession. So, you know, they've already diminished the market for unwanted dogs that need placements. And uh, the nice thing is, too, that there are a lot of people that go to shelters and rescues and get a great dog and uh, make it a lifelong friend.
1: Were you surprised by this?
3: No, not at all. Uh, Another component of the, the scarcity of dogs in Canada was there were many rescues who imported dogs from countries all over the world because Canada doesn't have a a lot of, you know, problem breeding. And uh, this source has dried up quite tremendously during the COVID times with respect to, you know, people driving dogs over the border from the U.S., as an example, you know, unless you're a licensed professional, is not allowed because it's not considered essential service. So we do see a dramatic increase in the, you know, the supply chain for dogs and cats in general.
1: I was quite surprised. I saw a video of, of literally shipments of dogs coming in from overseas. I saw uh, one of them, I think, coming in from Eastern Europe in the middle of the pandemic.
3: Yes, and, and that is a problem for, for dog breeders and the Canadian dog population in general. And what happens then is that they do flood the market, oftentimes with dogs that are not of superior breeding quality and you know with respect to some of them have health conditions etc and some of those health uh, conditions are not known to the canadian dog population so they're bringing in diseases occasionally that we haven't seen for decades and and that's kind of frustrating also so we always recommend to individuals buy from your local shelter buy from a local breeder Go on the Canadian Kennel Club website and find a reputable breeder who must follow a strict code of practice. And and they do practice best practices.
1: What about puppy scams? Do
3: avoid scams. Don't be sending anybody any money if you do not feel that, um, you know, they're on the up and up. Because there are scammers out there right now who are taking pictures you know, Google pictures and sending you a beautiful picture of a, you know, a nice Labrador retriever puppy, and they don't have a Labrador retriever puppy. And you send them your $1,000 deposit and you'll never see your money again. So do deal with reputable people and try and get to references even if if, and if you have any doubt, don't buy the dog.
1: What are the most popular breeds now? Labrador Retriever
3: is always a perennial favorite in Canada and Beagles are very popular. German Shepherds are extremely popular. My own breed, the Shih Tzu, is a very popular dog. And when we, you know, we recommend breeds of dogs to various people, you need to consider your lifestyle. How much time do you have to denote to exercise and or grooming before you make your choice? Do you have allergies? You know, you may have to seek out a a dog that's a little bit more hypoallergenic than uh, a dog that may be of a more shedding-type coat. So there's all these factors, and getting a pet is so important to do your research and be responsible. It's a 15-year minimum experience. What would you go out on the market and buy that was going to last you 15 years without doing proper research? And it's so frustrating when individuals do end up with a breed of dog that does not suit them. You know, they don't want to go for a ten mile jog. You know, it's it's just not practical to own some breeds and people need to be very responsible and don't just get a dog spur of the moment and when the pandemic's over and you get back to a little busier lifestyle that you you know, you have to know now that you will have time for that pet after the pandemic is over.
1: Okay. Richard Paquette, thank you so much.
3: And thank you, Libby, and uh, keep up all the good work you do.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Richard Paquette of the Canadian Kennel Club in Ontario. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide.
0: Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.